Good evening, Wisdom Eccentrics by Nat Chang Rinpoche, Chapter 6. I return the next day and the rest is history. The history of the stories in this book, along with the interrogatory conversations which followed them. Chapter 6. Unnecessary Prostrations Oh, yeah, Rinpoche sighed. Here you are again. What will you say today? What would I say today? How was Rinpoche able to ask so many questions that had no obvious answer? Maybe I should answer, I'll probably say what you'd predict an idiot like me would say. But that didn't seem like an answer I could give. Rinpoche sat staring at me with unwithheld menace. I dropped my eyes and sat waiting for the explosion. But it never came. Now, I'll tell the story of Tsar Paltrel that you did not understand, Rinpoche began. And you must listen clearly. Not like a tomyore. You must listen with open mind and with attention. Then I will ask you what you don't understand. Then you must answer well or you must leave. And so Rinpoche commenced the telling of the first lay. I sat and listened as Rinpoche spoke and then as Pema Dorje translated. There was something utterly otherworldly about the process because it was as if Pemadorje weren't there. There was a blur of words, the alternation of English and Tibetan, in which I lost track of which was which. I found myself understanding something that was somehow hovering between the two languages. The sound of Rinpoche's voice appeared as if it was echoing through Pema Dorje's English. It was probably because I was sitting gawp-eyed, fixated on Rinpoche, but whatever it was, it had a hallucinatory quality, dreamlike yet extremely poignant. Every moment was a moment of unprecedented presence in the moment. Yeah. So, Paltrel awoke one morning from a dream of clarity in which one of his root teachers, Mingyur Namkai Dorje, had appeared to him. He was so moved by this experience that he set out immediately for Dzogchen Gompa to make prostrations at his lama's feet. Mingyur Namkai Dorje was a Terton. He was known for his mercurial character and unpredictable behaviour, so any damn thing was possible. Do you think Kunzang Dorje is mercurial and unpredictable? Rinpoche inquired in a mild offhand way. No, Rinpoche, I don't think so, but I've only just met you. Rinpoche looked as if he were about to smile, but nothing formed itself physically where a smile would have appeared. Just angry, 
and disliking you. I can't say yet, Rinpoche, about disliking me. Why? Because, I had to say it, you've not known me that long. Rinpoche laughed, an icy laugh, then in a chilly voice said, Yeah, good answer. Maybe. There followed a slightly long silence. Maybe you stay. Maybe not. We will see. Now I tell the story. So, Namkai Dorje was mercurial and unpredictable, but Paltrel had no qualms about that. He was up for anything. Maybe you are like this? Rinpoche interjected with a cool, restrained chuckle. Yes, Rinpoche, I'm up for anything, I nodded. Rinpoche made a barely audible harumphing sound and shook his head. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Then he shouted, Are you sure? Yes, Rinpoche, I'm sure. How are you sure? he barked. That was quite an assault. It was as if he were poised to catch me out with every sentence I managed to offer him. This wasn't the moment not to answer well, so I plunged in almost before I knew what I was going to say. Because it's what I've done all my life, I never turn back if I've made a decision. I've already lived in a world that's not been easy, so I know I can stand behind my words. Rinpoche widened his eyes in theatrical mimicry of being surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very big warrior now. Maybe now you want to fight with Kunzang Dorje. He loomed forward at me, brandishing his fists, and I was certain he could have punched me senseless had he wished to do so. He was a Tsar Lung master and extremely fit. Rinpoche's menace, however, had the opposite effect, maybe, than intended. I could never tell what was a setup, what was straight, and what was something else entirely. The effect was that a slight smile moved on my mouth for a fleeting moment. Rinpoche noticed it and laughed loudly. Oh, yeah, this is better. So, no need for fighting? No, Rinpoche. Can you use a sword? I've never touched a sword. A gun? Yes, Rinpoche, I've shot rifles when I was young, but they weren't large calibre. Dokiense shot rifles, Rinpoche barked. Maybe I'll speak of this later, if I let you stay. I would like that. Thank you very much indeed, Rinpoche. Time for thanking later, when I tell you, if I tell you, not before. Rinpoche eyed me in an almost predatory manner. Oh, yeah. So, when Paltrel arrived, he was welcomed by Namkai Dorje. Mingyu Namkai Dorje was very casual and open. He was not a llama with mighty pretensions. 
he said immediately, Paltrel, it is good that you have come to see me. Come, rest your skinny ass on a cushion. Paltrel failed to answer, however, and immediately attempted to perform prostrations. Mingya Namkai Dorje Rinpoche, seeing this display of devotion, removed himself from his seat and began prostrating to Paltrel. Paltrel was aghast and ran away in order not to observe his lama's prostrations towards him. Namkai Dorje returned to his seat, tittering gleefully. After a while, Paltrel returned and began his prostration performance again. The same thing happened. And happened. And happened. It happened so many times that Paltrel had to give up that particular approach. Undeterred, he attempted a more furtive approach. He decided to hide in the temple behind Namkai Dorje's teaching throne and offer his prostrations there in secret. This had not been happening long when Paltrel discovered that Namkai Dorje was still returning his prostrations on the other side of the wall. He then learnt that these extraordinary procedures were interrupting the teachings that the Lama had been requested to give. When Paltrel discovered this, he became reconciled to the fact that offering prostrations to his Lama was a futile pursuit and, in that moment, gained immense clarity. Rinpoche rubbed his chin. Yeah, and so, this was the story you didn't understand. Yes, Rinpoche, it was. And now, he shook his head, you still don't understand. No, Rinpoche. This seemed to cause annoyance. Why do you agree with me, Tom Yor? Did I ask you to agree? Why should Kunzang Dorje need you to agree? Are you a complete Tom Yor? No, Rinpoche, I stated as calmly as I could. I was always braver when attacked than I was when he simply put me on the spot. I'm probably an incomplete idiot. If I was a complete idiot, I'd be more like the Mahasiddha, the enlightened moron, and that wouldn't be as bad. Unaccountably, Rinpoche seemed to approve of my making a rejoinder. Oh, yeah, he grinned slightly, pausing to consider, smoothing out the altar cloth on his lama's table. So, what don't you understand? You must be clear. You must be clear even of what your lack of understanding is. I was silent for a while, and as the seconds ticked away, Rinpoche looked increasingly severe. I felt rather embarrassed about the reply that was forming itself in my mind. I didn't really want to express what I was thinking. Come on! Rinpoche suddenly roared. Answer now, or go away! In spite of my fear of annoying him, it remained difficult to speak. My difficulty is caused by my sense of irritation with Tsar Paltrel. Rinpoche appeared to grin ever so slightly at this and shouted, So, 
action. What cause? It's his insistence on formality. It seems almost infantile, but I don't feel right about voicing that idea. Yeah, Rinpoche almost yawned. He was looking rather bored by me. And so... Well, from one point of view, it could be said that there seems to be some quality of ridiculous willfulness in Poutrell Rinpoche's behaviour. But I must be mistaken in that feeling, as Tsar Poutrell was a realised master, so there's obviously something that I don't understand. Rinpoche gazed at me, unblinking, and with an intense gleam in his eyes. Suddenly he let out a deep roar, but this time he also laughed. You think all llamas are perfect? There was no answer to that question. Why can't Paltrell make a mistake? There was no answer to that either. Answer me! I had to say something, so I tried. How can you make a mistake if you're realised? Yeah, Tomuel, he yawned. You do not understand Rigpa or even Ma Rigpa, he replied matter-of-factly. Rigpa, realisation, is not always present. And Paltrell's devotion is too strong. Too strong. Rinpoche watched my expression of vague bewilderment for a while, and when he considered that enough time had elapsed, commented, The relationship with the Lama should not be based on our desires. No matter how much devotion Paltrell has, he should not make an indulgence of it. He can't demand to dominate his Lama with his devotion. What do you say now? I understand that, Rinpoche. That's clear. What is clear? He barked back at terrific volume. It's important to show respect to your Lama and not be altered in your devotion just because your Lama has a self-effacing manner. Neither should you insist on expressing devotion in a certain form if it is clear your lama's trying to dissuade you from it. Yeah, 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 Rinpoche yawned. So it's very easy to understand. What makes it difficult to understand is only your idea of what things mean. It's not that you can't understand. You just have wrong ideas. And wrong ideas stop you understanding because you cannot mix them with reality. Do you understand this? Yes, Rinpoche, I do. And I really did. So, Rinpoche continued, it's like being wet from the rain and not understanding why you are not dry, because you believe it's not rained. Are you sure you understand this? Yes, Rinpoche. I'd never heard anything like that before. 
I'd never considered that understanding could be obstructed by one's own concepts, but it made perfect sense to me. Then explain to me, now. If I try to reconcile something I'm trying to understand with a false idea that is already in my mind, it won't be possible for me to understand. Rinpoche gave a peremptory nod as if to say, what else would you expect, you goddamn imbecile? He scrutinised me momentarily. Yeah, this you must always know. Without this, Dzogchen can never be understood. You must know what is in your mind and you must know how you see. You must know everything, but not by learning. Rinpoche paused for a brief moment and shouted, BANG! in English. Silence followed. I cannot say how long it lasted. Then, in a slightly less brutal tone, he continued, Like this, you must see clearly what is there. Anyway, there are several versions of this story. In one, Paltrell recognises his Lama's prostrations as a direct teaching. He recognises that he was receiving direct transmission of Dzogchen. In this version, the two Lamas simply recognise each other at that point. There is no further need for external symbols. Rinpoche was silent for some minutes in which he gazed through the window. Now you tell me again. Tell me about being clear in your mind. Being clear means not attempting to merge what I'm trying to understand with a pre-existing idea that I take to be an unquestioned reality. Yeah, and so what is the obstacle? Well, Rinpoche, if I tried to mix the nature of reality that I receive from you with the nature of duality that I take to be real, then all I can understand is duality, and then I'll be an idiot. Yeah, I think now you understand this, today, but maybe tomorrow you will already have forgotten. Rinpoche shook his head. Sometimes, it seems, you might not be a Tomyur. But mostly, you are a Tomyur. We sat in silence and I tried not to dwell on the fact that I might, in Rinpoche's view, be an irredeemable idiot. I distracted myself from this gruesome fate by thinking about the story I'd just heard. In a short space of time, it gave rise to a number of observations on my own behaviour. It's evident, I ventured, that many forms of externally expressed devotion are simply masks with which disciples hide themselves in order not to be seen by the Lama. My eyes filled with tears as I made this statement. It is a cherished 
idea of mine that if I behave very well indeed, you'll think I'm a good student, but that gets me into all sorts of trouble. Rinpoche looked at me, intently but not ferociously. What kind of trouble? I took a risk and smiled as I replied, making you angry. Rinpoche smiled. Good, then just be natural. Maybe Kunzang Dorje is not always angry, but that depends on whether you remain a Tomyur. If you ever stop being a Tomyur, then maybe Kunzang Dorje will no longer need to be angry. I realised at that moment that there was nothing I could do but be myself, whatever happened. I think, Rinpoche, that I may always be a little anxious around you, but maybe that's just how I am with you. If I attempt to look as if I'm relaxed, that would just be another form of pretense. Rinpoche replied with thinly veiled exasperation. To have anxiety with the Lama is to be expected. This is relaxed. This is natural. There is no more to know about this. Having had this discussion, things seemed somewhat easier and I decided to give up worrying about how he'd react to my peculiar ideas. I later discovered that such decisions are simple to make but not as easy to carry out. That lesson has remained with me and is of inestimable value. Today, when I teach, if someone doesn't understand me, I try a few alternative ways of explaining. If these fail, I know that the person must have some philosophical construct that is acting almost like a computer virus, which I have to unearth. Most people are not even aware that these viruses exist in the fabric of their perception, so they do not know what they do not understand. It's then up to the teacher to identify it. That is not always as difficult as it may sound because it's usually connected with one of the four philosophical extremes – monism, dualism, nihilism or eternalism. I'll give some examples so that this will not be left as a mystery. Monism, everything is one, we are all part of God, all religions preach the same truth. Dualism, heaven and hell are separate, creator and created are fundamentally different. Nihilism, nothing has meaning, life is purposeless, nothing has value. Eternalism. Everything has meaning and value. There is a purpose to everything that occurs. This is obviously an extremely simple overview couched in everyday language, but it gives you some idea. If a person wants to hang on to any aspect of the four philosophical extremes as being valid, then Buddhism will either never make any sense or become distorted. There are other philosophical problems that get in the way of understanding Buddhism and some of them lie in the Judeo-Christian view of what religion is. 
The three religions of the book are based on truth, but Buddhism is based on method. If you expect Buddhism to be truth, rather than that which points in the direction of truth or reality, then Buddhism will seem to be full of contradictions. Buddhism is composed of vehicles, and each vehicle has its own base in terms of experience. Each vehicle therefore has its own way of proceeding that is different from the other vehicles. This is what I learned from Kyabje Kunzang Dorje Rinpoche, and a great deal more. Each story that follows elucidates some aspect of Buddhism. Rinpoche's method was to teach me how to find my own answers and find them to be Buddhism. <laughs>